presence of God in this place. God, we thank you, God, for this time, God. God, I ask that you move me out the way and let them see you, God. God, we thank you, God, for your raw power in this place, God. God, touch every one of us, God. We open up our hearts to you today, God, to receive a word from you, God, a rhema word that will touch our lives, God, a word for our right now, God. And we ask that you do it in your Jesus' name. Amen. How many of y'all are excited for the Word of God? Yay, that's what I'm talking about. You're excited for the Word of God. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14. When you have it, say amen. I like a talk back, church. Say amen. That's what I'm talking about. We're starting at verse 22. It's a very familiar passage. Amen. That's all I'm talking about. I like it. Here beginning the reading of God's most holy word. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he sent the the multitudes away, he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. Somebody say alone. alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out, for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And Peter answered and saying, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come into the water, unto the water. And he said, Come. And Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Verse 33. When they went where in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, Of truth thou art the Son of God. So far the scripture. So I have a title for you today called Sea Level. Somebody say Sea Level. Sea Level. On the earth, there's about 70% water. There are four oceans, the Pacific, Atlantic, Indian, and Arctic. There are five great lakes, as y'all know, in Michigan. Superior, Huron, Ontario, Lake Michigan, and Lake Erie. But a total of about 170 million lakes collectively, right? There is 76 rivers in the world that covers millions of miles across this great world, right? About 60% of our body is water. Your brain, your heart is made of about 73% water. Your lungs, about 83% water. Your muscles and kidneys, 79% water. Your skin is 64% water. Even your bones have 31% water in it. Isn't that amazing? 
how whole body have water in it, right? But I want to bring us up to speed on this scripture. So in chapter 14, if you look in the beginning, it says, in the beginning of the chapter, John the Baptist is in prison, right? John is beheaded because a dancer tells her mother that she wants John beheaded. She does a great job in front of the king, and he asks for faith. She says, he says, what do you want because you did such a great job? And she says, I want John's head, right? Now, many people know that John the Baptist and Jesus were first cousins. So in the scripture, it says that John's disciples bring, tells Jesus about the news, amen? So I have a question. Why do, I, why do you think they told Jesus about John? In my opinion, I think they told Jesus because they were in expectation that he can raise John even though he was beheaded. Because right before that, Jesus had performed many miracles, right? So even though they buried John and everything, they still had an expectation that Jesus could heal and restore John. Because before that, Jesus healed a man with leprosy earlier. He also healed a man with a withered hand. He healed many people before John even died. So they had expectation that Jesus could heal again. Amen? So then later on in the chapter, we also see that Jesus, the multitude, followed Jesus. So Jesus tries to get away on a boat early in the chapter, late in the chapter. He tries to get on a boat to seclude himself because he's a little hurt that John has, has died, right? So, the, but the thing is, the multitude followed Jesus. So this lets me know, even when you're hurt, there'll be crowds following you. Even when you're hurt, there'll be crowds following you. When you're a leader, you don't have a day off. It's true. Jesus was a leader, and even in his hurt, the crowds followed him. Amen? Amen? So even when you're hurt, you still must fulfill your purpose. Even when you're sad, you still have to fulfill your purpose, right? You can't let hurt stop you. You can't let depression stop you. You have to still fulfill your purpose and the mission that God has on your life. And it's funny, I looked at that in Luke 4:18 says, this, Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recover sight for the blind and set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He couldn't stop because of his purpose. So after Jesus had done all that healing, his disciples tell him that they need to send the multitude away. They're hungry. Jesus, send them away. They need to go eat. And what does Jesus tell them? Jesus tells them, you feed them. He says, you feed the people, right? So Jesus, they said, Lord, how are we going to feed them? So what do we have? We have five loaves and two fish. He says, bring it to me. Jesus prays over it, and they feed 5,000 men, not counting women and children. They feed 5,000 men from two fish and five loaves. So God will provide anything you put in his hands. Anything you put in God's hands, he will bless it. If you put it in his hands, not your own hands, he will bless it. God can increase anything you put in his hands. It was two fish and five loads that fed the 5,000, right? So now we come here to verse 22 and 23. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and go before, them, uh, before him unto the other side he, as he sent the multitudes away. 
And when he sent the multitudes away, he said, come. And he was there alone. If you're taking notes, you must learn to pray to send people away to pray. You must send people away to pray. It says, the Bible says, Jesus sent them away so that he can go pray. Sometimes you have to be alone to pray. Sometimes you have to be alone to pray. Sometimes you can't be around your friends all the time. You have to go away to pray. Even though you love your spouse, sometimes you have to go away to pray. You can't be around everybody to pray. So sometimes you need to get away from the crowd. I know you like to be socialized with everybody, but God wants you to be alone to hear what he has to say. So many times in our life, we're busy. We're ripping and running. We're running like chickens with our head cut off, right? But God wants our attention. And how do we get that? We pray. Now, this is just my Holy Ghost imagination. The Bible says, when the evening was come, he was there alone. So in my mind, I think they were trying to hang out with Jesus and pray. It says in the evening. So that means earlier, I can see them now. I'm finna go pray with Jesus. Ha. Ah, I'm finna go fast with Jesus. I'm, we about to go to the mountain and pray with Jesus, right? But I think they got tired. They said, Jesus praying too long for me. I can't be up here praying all day. We pray for five minutes, right? And we're like, okay, Lord, how long was this prayer time? I'm I'm a little tired. I need, I need to, I need to, I need to start my day, right? But in my imagination, I, I can see them. I can see them doing that. I can see them, like, looking at Jesus, like, why are he praying so long? But what they didn't know was what he was about to encounter. They didn't know what it took, the level it took to get where he needed to go. Amen? Amen. So all I'm going to say is sometimes we have to pray a little more. Sometimes we have to fast a little more. We have to restrain ourselves from things we normally want to do. Sometimes we have to push ourselves a little more. Sometimes we have to get out of our comfort zone. See, we have expectations of God, but we don't want to do what is expected of us. So sometimes he asks us for a little more, just a little. You know, we pray 15 minutes, he say pray 20. We pray five, he say pray 10. He say fast for an hour, push yourself an hour. Sometimes he expects more of us, amen? In Matthew 4, 24, it says, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, with winds that were contrary. Tossed with winds that were contrary. So they're in the boat. All the disciples, all 12 of them, sitting in the boat. They just sitting, ready in the boat. And it says the winds were contrary. What are contrary winds? Contrary winds are opposite, the wrong way. So that means... As I'm trying to go this way, the wind is pushing against me. How many of you have ever felt resistance in your life? Huh? You felt resistance in your life. You've been trying to tad a little more, but mobiles keep coming, right? You've been trying to live holy, but people keep texting you stuff. You just, oh, pray for me. <laughs> You've been asking God to be healed, huh? But you get a bad report. Contrary winds. I could see the disciples sitting in the boat. They're, the winds are contrary. They said, Jesus sent us here. Why do we feel resistance? Just because Jesus sent you don't mean the wind won't come. Just because Jesus sent you there don't mean there won't be resistance in your way. 
So you have to learn that even with the contrary winds coming in the opposite direction, I will still go forth. Amen? Amen. So it's the contrary winds that really work our patience. It's not the journey. It, normally, it's not what God asks us to do. It's when we walk it out, we feel the resistance in it. We feel the tug in it. We feel the pressure in it. That's the, where the, the hard part is. It doesn't be the journey. Because if it was all smooth sailing, they wouldn't have complained about it. But it says the contrary winds were made them afraid. It was the contrary winds that made them scared. Because many times in our life, we feel a storm, right? But we feel our boat can't handle the storm. See, but God has already given us the boat to go to the other side. So the contrary winds can't do nothing to me because it's on his mission that he will cover me, right? Amen? So it says in Matthew 4, 25, it says, And on the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. So I looked up, what is the fourth watch? I had to... Do some research. The fourth watch is between 3 and 6 a.m. Jesus was up early. Jesus was up early for this one. The Bible says he was, the fourth watch is between 3 and 6. How many of y'all walking around at three and, between 3 and 6 o'clock in the morning? Not many people. How many of y'all praying from 3 to 6 o'clock in the morning? Not many people. But Jesus was up early, right? The Bible says he was walking towards them, and they saw it was a spirit, and they cried out for fear. Point number two, trust God even when you can't see him. Trust God even when you can't see him. He gave them direction to go to the other side, right? But when they saw a spirit that they couldn't make out, they said, who is that? What is that? They got afraid. So even when you can't feel Jesus, trust him. Even when you can't feel God, trust him. Even when you can't see what he's doing, trust him. The Bible says in Proverbs, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and all thy mind and all thy soul. And lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. See, you have to trust God beyond what you see. You got to trust God beyond what you feel. You got to trust God beyond what you understand, because if you understood everything, you wouldn't need God. So you have to trust him when you can't see him. When you can't trace him, you got to trust him. The Bible says Jesus sent them away. Why would Jesus send them away into danger? Let me tell you something. It's in the midst of the danger that it's the, let me rephrase that. I got something for you. So it's in the midst of the danger and in the fog, our destiny often looks like danger. I'll say that again. When you're in the midst and you're in the fog, our destiny often looks like danger. When you can't see it, our destiny often looks like danger. See, we get afraid of what's happening, the things we can't see. We're scared of the things we can't feel. So when we don't know it, we get afraid. The devil tries to hold us in that spot, right? 
But our destiny is on the other side of the fall. Our destiny is on the other side of the mist. Our destiny is on the other side of the things we don't understand, right? Because as, as we cross over into the fog, our trust goes higher. Our faith rises. Our expectations of God go higher. So we can't settle in the boat because we can't see what's on the other side of the fog. We can't just sit there. We have to keep going. Amen? Amen. It was Daniel in the lion's den, right? That was the fog. But his destiny was tied up in the fog. It looked like danger to be in a lion's den. But little did he know, when his faith in God, that was his destiny, right? It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Some say a billy goat. But look... It was the fiery furnace that was the fog, right? But on the other side was their destiny because as they worked out in that destiny, they got wrote about in the Bible. It was David and Goliath. Goliath was the fog. As David looked over at the fog, he said, it will be the God that give me your head. So on the other side of danger, what looks like danger is often our destiny. Amen? It was Jesus in the garden. But he said, nevertheless, his feelings were his fog. His feelings were his fog. Him, the pressure of the cross, him feeling the cross. But on the other side of that was his destiny to walk with the cross, to hang on the cross, to die for our sins. So on the other side, that fog that looks like danger, that's your destiny calling out to you. Amen. Amen. It says, but straightway Jesus said unto them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Huh, I am that I am. Be not afraid. And Peter answered him and saying, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee. It's, Jesus never says, it's me, Jesus. He never says, it's me. He just said, it is I. He says, my sheep know my voice. So they should have knew who he was talking to. He said, if. He said, if it is you, Jesus. He said, if it was you. So if you're writing notes, point number three, we must know God's voice. In the midst of the sea, in the fog, we must know God's voice. That comes with prayer. That comes with fasting. We must know God's voice. We got to come out the time of wondering if it's God. We have to believe that it's God. We have to know his voice. So that means we have to spend a little more time with him. We must open up his word to know who he is. Amen? So Jesus never says, it's me, Jesus. He just says, it is I. So now in verse 28, we have a response. Peter says, if. Somebody say if. If. Right? I want to put a pin right there. Now, oftentimes we see if as a negative connotation, right? If is a level of uncertainty. If is a level of fear. If is a level of doubt. If is a level of procrastination. Right? There's an old saying that if if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. Some of y'all heard it before. If if was a fifth, we'd all be drunk. 
But how many, how many of y'all have ever settled for if? If I would have did this better. No, if I would have moved a little quicker. If, if, if. So the if holds us in a place. If holds us in the boat. But God has brought me here to change your if. What does if stand for? Everybody say I. I. Instant. Instant. F. F. Faith. Faith. God is giving you instant faith to step out of the boat. God is letting you move out on your if. You never have to look at if the same way. So if you want to write the book, write it. If you want to write the business plan, write it. If you want to trust God again, do it. If you want to love again, love. Just don't stop your if. Move out on your if. Trust the if. Because when you trust the if that God has given you, he will move for you. So move out on your if. Don't settle in your if. I can see Peter. So he says, if God, it be you. Let me come. He see God. He see Jesus. If So I'm a step. Because if. Sometimes that's all you need is a if. You don't need a yes all the time. If. If. I believe God enough on that if. I trust God enough on that if. That if will take me to my destiny. Amen? Amen. Matthew 14, 29 says, and he said, come. When Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to, to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Let's look at Jesus' response carefully. Jesus says, come. Come. Who did he say come to? Was he talking to Peter? He said, come. That means he gave every disciple the opportunity to come. He never said, come, Peter. He just said, come. But what happens is, Peter's the only one that moved because he's the only one that spoke. See, many of you have been asking God, God, I want more of you. God, I want, I want a greater level of you. Come. Come. That's all it takes. Come. You want more? Come. You want greater? Come. See, we put it all on the pastor for us to go to another level. We put it all the weight on him. But Jesus opened the opportunity to every disciple in the boat. But we, they sat there because he's the only one that spoke. So he felt like he spoke on our behalf. So the pastor speaking on our behalf, so he don't want to step out. No. Jesus said, come. So that means you have to get out the boat and come. Amen? If you ever babysit children before, huh? And it's a group of them, right? And you say, come. But you never say a name. What happens? They all come. That's interesting, right? And that's perplexing to me. But now I understand why Jesus says, 
unless she be like children, you can't come into the kingdom of God. Because children are eager to hear what the Father is saying. So we must all be like children when God says, come, we got to come. So come on. So I want you to step up on your feet real quick. Come on. We're going to do something real quick. I want you to come into your new destiny. Take a step out and come. Take one step and just come. Come close. Yeah, there you go. Come. There you go. See, this is an outward explain to the devil that you're coming out of what you used to be in. You're coming out of comfortability. You're coming after the mundane. You're coming out of average. But you're coming into the destiny that God has for you. Amen. Clap your hands for Jesus. There we go. You may take your seat. And he tells, he says, come. Come. But what's on the other side of come? Now the Bible says, now Peter came into the ship, came out of the ship, and he was walking on water. He was walking on water. Now, I can't swim. This is a fact. I can't swim. I'm not trying to walk on no water. <laughs> but the Bible says he was walking on water. But the Bible says the winds was boisterous. That means there was noisy. They were loud. It was rowdy. It says he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried to the Lord, save me. So, Peter is walking on water, but he gets distracted by the wind, right? Sometimes things come to rock us, right? Things come to throw us off balance, right? So I say, God, help me understand this. So the water underneath Peter's feet, the sea, it represents our life. Sometimes life is unsteady. Sometimes life gets a little rocky, right? But we tend to manage it, right? But then there comes the wind. Wind is a thing that's unexpected. We didn't expect the wind. We didn't expect that other bill. We didn't expect to be moved like that. We didn't expect to be pushed like that. So we're unstable. So now we're looking around at everything else. We're seeing everything else, right? But we take our eyes off who we should be looking at, who is Jesus. See, as long as Peter saw Jesus, he was comfortable. But when he took his distraction off Jesus, he began to sink. Now, it's weird. I see two waters. I see the water underneath our feet, right? But what does Jesus say? He said, I'm the living water. I'm the living well. So he has to see Jesus at all times. He has to focus on Jesus at all times. Even when things get rocky, even when things get rowdy, even when the wind comes, he has to see Jesus. If you have point number four, no matter what you go through, see Jesus. No matter how you feel, see Jesus. No matter the pain, see Jesus. See Jesus no matter what you're going through, you have to see Jesus. When things come to throw you off, see Jesus. When that depression has to come, see Jesus. When the bad report come, see Jesus. Because it's in seeing Jesus that my stability comes. It's in seeing Jesus that I'm able to walk on water. I can't do it on my own, but it's only when I see Jesus. I have to see Jesus no matter what I go through. I have to look at Jesus, look at the cross, look what he's been through. See Jesus. Because Jesus is looking back at me. So he says, so when Jesus, when he, Peter begins to sink, and Jesus picks him up, 
That's another level of contact. No matter when you fall, Jesus can pick you up. No matter when you sink, Jesus can pick you up. Even when you can't swim, thank you, Jesus. He can pick you up. He won't let you drown. His hand is always there, but you have to see him to lift up your hand. See, in worship time, we say lift up our hands. You wonder why? Because his hands are already down for you. We want, we're trying to get you a connection to him. See, some of you feel like you've been drowning. Lift up your hands. Don't be prideful and, fall and sink and drown. Lift up your hands to Jesus, to see Jesus. Amen? Amen. But he says, ye are little faith. Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Who is he talking about? Why did you doubt me? When you looked at me, when you saw me, why did you doubt me? That's what I feel Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? You've been with me through everything. Why did you doubt me? See, yesterday I talked about your enough. God has given everything inside of you, right? God has placed it inside of you. But do you trust what God put in you? Do you trust how God uses you? Are you doubting how God is using you? Are you doubting God? He put it in you. Are you doubting Jesus? Why do you doubt? Because it's in that doubt where you start to sink. It's in that doubt where you feel like you're falling. I don't want you to trust yourself. Never. Because trusting ourselves puts us in predicaments we don't need to be in. But trust God. Trust Jesus. See Jesus, trust Jesus. See Jesus, trust Jesus. See Jesus, trust Jesus. See God, trust God. See God, trust God. If you don't get anything else out of this, see God and trust God. Because it's in trusting God that you will get what you're asking for. It's in seeing God that you will believe again. So you have to see God and you have to trust God. Stand up on this place. Man, you can come back again. See God and trust God. See God and trust God. Some of your faith been teetering. Some of y'all have just come to Christ early and you're like, you're struggling, God. What is this? But see God in it. Trust God in it. With every bad report you get, trust God in it. Trust God again. Some of you, your faith has been low. But I want you to trust God again. Some of y'all have heard that he's a miracle worker. Trust God more. Depend on God for what you don't understand. 
Some of you are in seasons of your life that you don't understand. But trust what God put in you. Trust what God has put around you. And he will work again. See Jesus in it. Open the Bible. See him. Find Christ in all that you do. And he will move again. Lift your hands over this place. Come on, we want glory. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Sweeping in the room. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Here comes the glory of the Lord sweeping in the room here comes the glory of the Lord here comes the glory of the Lord sweeping in a simple song. Here comes the glory of the Lord. Here comes